welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. Amy Bateman and Sean Murray, founders of Pleasant State, are a business wanting to change the world, one reusable plastic cleaning bottle at a time, across thousands of households and all at once. Pleasant State already seems like a force to be reckoned with, and we're looking forward to hearing all their gutsy moves. To help you keep up with Amy and Sean, let us introduce them just a little. They've left their corporate careers to make a bigger impact. Along with eliminating single-use plastics, they also want to put ethics and values back into business. So let's just say they're not afraid to make gutsy goals. Now, before you begin to wonder if they're all talk and no action, let me tell you what they've done in just a few short months. They've gathered a team consisting of customer relations, marketing, brand, e-commerce and tech experts and now they even have an intern working with them. They've run independent customer market research programs over three months where they spoke to eight Australians in two lots of two-hour interviews to help inform brand, messaging and design and price. They've built their entire brand and they launched it on the 1st of June. They've found a local formulation chemist and a local manufacturer. They've formulated three just add water solutions that are just as effective as common brands without the nasties. They're called Homebody Multipurpose, Tub Scrub Bathroom, Stay Glassy, Glass and Window. And they handmade 200 samples for testing. They've custom designed glass and silicon bottles and had prototypes created. And they're just signing off on the tooling and a significant number of these as we speak. They've launched a 100 tester campaign and have 100 Australians signed up for free product in return for giving them candid feedback. Except a few more than 100 signed up, they had 3,301 people sign up. And their final test results were impressive. Testers reported that their multi-purpose Just Add Water Cleaner has proven to be just as effective as common brands they're currently using but so much better when considering environmental and social impact. And 100% of those testers said they were very likely to buy your product. They've built a database of about 4,000 people, and as this recording goes to air, they're in the middle of their crowdfunding campaign where they hope to achieve pre-sales for 10,000 glass bottles so that they can remain 100% employee-owned. And on top of all of that, they got into the Flare Incubator Program. So, if you're still with us, welcome Amy and Sean. Well, I'm exhausted just um, listening to that, Helen. <laughs> so, there are many places we can start to chat to Amy and Sean, but let's start at the best place to start, the beginning. So, what happened that led you to create Pleasant State? Thanks, Wendy. Amy here. So... Early December last year, I was actually having an environmental debate with a European friend of mine. Uh, we often start at the opposite ends of the spectrum on an issue and then roughly end up in the middle, which is a nice place to end. Uh, this one, as I said, was about environmental issues. And throughout that, that debate, 
Uh, he asked me if I was aware of some trends in the US and Europe with consumers moving to just add water cleaning solutions. Uh, I answered at the time no, as I hadn't seen anything in Australia, but it was an idea that just for the following week didn't leave me. So decided to investigate a little further and see what, what could we bring into Australia. Uh, what was in New Zealand, we found nothing, so decided, well, why not do it ourselves? Uh, so while that was definitely the catalyst, uh, this, I guess, desire or need to make a difference in the world probably started a lot a lot earlier. So I grew up on a farm for a few years of my life and we lived on tank water. Uh, we had to share a bath. We would use that bath water to uh, you know, flush our toilet or on the garden. So I was very conscious about environmental issues. So that was one. But also throughout my university degree, learned a lot about this concept of value creation versus value capture. So this idea that companies that make significant profit are often uh, taking from the people that create it or from the environment that allows them to derive that, that value. And as a result, they're not, they're not fairly distributing that back to either the employees or repatriating the environment in the way that they should. This is just a concept that stuck with me for a very long time and throughout my corporate life, I just felt that there was a much better way to do things, a way to do things where it was fair for employees, for your communities, the right thing to do by your customers and most definitely the right thing to do for the environment and hence you know, distributing that value back to the people and, and the planet. So that back to the catalyst for this, the environmental debate. After that first week, I realised that while I had all the business knowledge and the network and I guess the, the courage to go and do something this, this complex. The big thing that I was missing that I knew was vitally important was to create a brand that people would really love. In this day and age, having a brand like that is your only way to maintain a competitive advantage. Uh, and without it, I didn't, I didn't see much point to going away and creating what could be an amazing product without people really wanting it. And so that's where Sean came in. I put out into the universe that I needed this person. Uh, they needed to sh have very strong values alignment. Uh, they had to be someone that I felt was very good with online media marketing, social uh, and branding. And yeah, the universe delivered me Sean. So that's a nice way to say it. I kind of feel, uh, think about it in the same way. A mutual friend of Amy and uh, Amy and mine uh, introduced us and we met at a cafe and I think it had all really just timed perfectly. I uh, had moved from Melbourne to Noosa about a year and a bit ago and over the last couple of years had just started almost like organically by just making the move and being around nature and the ocean more starting to, well, I'd always been aware of it but recognised more how much we rely and it, me as a person as well rely on the environment for happiness and life and, and everything so I was here in Noosa in a bit of a transitional period when I met Amy uh, and it was just perfect. Um, I was obviously blown away, super excited about the concept. And then from there, it just kind of, it got moving pretty quickly, really. And I just think 
with my so in Melbourne, I'd worked at a uh, marketing agency specializing in social media management and creative campaigns. And I also, um, through my own kind of experiences, had had a bit of personal branding and I, I, and I don't mind getting in front of the camera. So that's all kind of inclined, I suppose, to create the brand you see today for Pleasant State. Yeah, you certainly have the momentum and the timing. Everything is perfect. Yeah, I, I guess we met and then, um, you know, all of a sudden the in- impact of COVID were felt, which, you know, as, as horrible as it is, it also just gave us an opportunity to just focus on this like solely for a while and put all our attention and energy into it, which is um, almost been like, yeah, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, there's been lots of little blessings in disguise over this recent, over this year. So we share a similar interest in terms of wanting to make a big difference from the ground up at the household level. So I'm just curious, you guys have have set out to achieve something really big, but how many people do you think it'll take to make a really big difference? And in your opinion, can we really do it from the ground up? That's a really great question, Helen. This is something that Sean and I definitely believe and as we become more informed and educated about this particular issue, we wholeheartedly believe that this is actually not a consumer issue. It's not a a waste issue. Uh, Despite what we're being told, this is most definitely an issue that needs to be tackled by the companies that are producing plastic and are providing their products in plastic packaging. The reason I say that is all of us, when we go into the, the supermarket, while we might might have the best intention to purchase things that are not packaged in plastic, we actually don't have, have good options available to us. So to expect us to be able to make that switch when actually there are no viable substitutes uh, seems a little bit rough to me. So you know, while, while Sean and I definitely feel that this idea, we, we can make a difference, what we're trying to demonstrate is that as a company that's creating a new product, there is a better way to do it, a, a, be, a way that doesn't impact upon people or planet and really building that into our values from the get-go. However, consumers can definitely start putting pressure on these organisations to provide better alternatives. So a number of ways that they can do that is by, A, firstly looking for substitutes. They definitely exist in a number of areas. So for example, shampoos, good shampoo bars and conditioner bars exist. We're starting to see uh, beauty products out there that come packaged in glass. So there are product categories that are getting better at this. But where they're not or where consumers have a brand that they really love that they would find it hard to switch from, we would definitely encourage them to just start asking the question of these brands. Start contacting them on Instagram on Facebook or emailing them and ask them what are their plans to introduce more sustainable options into their products and their supply chain. And I think that's how consumers are going to make a difference, not not just by buying slightly different things because they won't always have substitutes, but by starting to exert a little more pressure. Yeah, what a great idea because, it. I mean, there's just so much packaging in so many products that is totally unnecessary as well. And, and you just wonder why. It's the why I, that really fascinates me, that there are ways to package things. We, we didn't always have so much plastic packaging around so many products. 
sometimes I think it's actually to reduce the amount of product. I know, you know, you see some packets of things like, you know, packets of bought biscuits where, you know, it was just a sleeve over the top of the biscuits. Now there's a tray that's plastic and it has ridges in it that, you know, reduces the number of biscuits that can be in there and that sort of thing. That's, it's just, um, I guess, so the packaging size looks the same and, and they're just filling it with plastic. Yeah. 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 Um, as a, as a, on the consumer side, like before we can't, we started this pleasant state journey, it, it can quite become um, overwhelming quite easily. You, you're trying to make all these small changes, um, but you just, you know, don't feel like you're getting anywhere. So I think that concept of, yeah, looking at the products you do have and then reaching out to those brands to ask, like Amy said, the question of why, why they're not looking at other alternatives. But also for us, like now that we're, you know, launching this business and starting to it's like we've joined this community of like-minded brands and, and I guess uh, I always say like your vibe attracts your tribe the people that we're starting to meet and get ideas from and stuff there's just this awesome community of small businesses that are looking for these new alternatives um, and I think consumers are starting to you know look for those brands which is really exciting for everyone and I think that's another way that we'll slowly start to see a bit of a change as well. Yeah. I really like, though, how you've taken the pressure off the consumer in a way. You know, we, we still need to make wise choices. I'm not, I'm not discouraging that by any means. But all the other sort of campaigns, I guess, have put, put the responsibility at the consumer level. And that's, as you point out, it's not entirely where it belongs. No, definitely not. And as Wendy said, we, there was a life that existed before plastic. Having said that, plastic, obviously, as a material, has amazing properties, so you can definitely see why it's been so popular. But we do have to remember that the, I guess, the industry body really pushing plastic is the, the oil and gas sector, effectively. And they have a very vested interest in ensuring that plastic persists because we're seeing a movement globally towards renewable energies. And so they're looking to lose a significant income source. So their next bet is plastic. So what's going to happen is we will increasingly see they have very deep pockets. They're going to continue to promote plastic as a very fantastic option. As consumers, we can start to drown that out a little though. But yeah. we, we need to be as vocal as them in order to be neutral and be more vocal in order to drown them out. The history of hemp actually is very tightly linked with the history of plastic. When hemp was listed, industrial hemp was listed as a narcotic, that was uh, to help the industry or the need for polyester to flourish, I guess, in a way. Right. Um, so that no, was, I didn't. You didn't know? It was way back. No. In, well, I, I wrote a huge big blog. It's on our website, storednaturally.com. It's about the history of hemp. But it ends with the start of plastic, basically. So industrial hemp, in a nutshell, industrial hemp was used to manufacture sails, clothing, all the requirements for World War One. And during World War One, the chemists um, of DuPont accidentally created polyester. And then they began systematically um, creating products and then replacing hemp sails with polyester sails, hemp parachutes with polyester parachutes, hemp uh, uniforms with polyester uniforms and they created nylon and nylon stockings. And after World, so then World War II came along and after World War II they had this 
incredible capacity to produce polyester but no market for it. And so that's when um, it really became necessary for them to create household items that would consume this ability to make polyester and that's kind of how it all began. Fascinating. Yeah, they created a market for it. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then to and another going back to Wendy's point around, yeah, all this plastic didn't exist. It's not a consumer problem. Uh, as we product in it and of itself is something that's very new to me, and you know, a little less so to Sean, having worked uh, in marketing on products, but I've never built a product-based business. Services, yes, products, no. So as as we've done that and looked at our supply chain. Basically, what we're seeing as consumers is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we, when we ordered 100 tester bottles for that 100 tester campaign, so we ordered them off Alibaba plastic bottles just so we could get our formulation out there to test it. All of those bottles, which I didn't, I was horrified at the time and I never thought I would do this, but I think it's important too. Every single of those plastic bottles came wrapped in a really poor quality plastic bag. So in addition to these 100 plastic bottles, I had 100 plastic bags that I couldn't do anything with. They're not of a quality that anyone can ever recycle them. So think uh, those old sandwich bags, effectively. So what that did do is probably the best kind of mistake we've made when discussing or negotiating with the broker for our bottles. I made it very clear to them that it was their responsibility to ensure that any of our products that were coming into Australia because the bottles will be made in China. We don't have an option here in Australia, unfortunately. But we wanted to ensure that anything coming in from China would not be packaged in plastic. It seemed like a pretty simple ask, but apparently not. So it took them days to come up with an alternative of wrapping those 10,000 glass bottles in plastic. So they definitely found a solution for that, which was awesome. We're using egg lattice cardboard. So I thought that was all sorted, but when ordering the trigger sprays, uh, last minute I thought, oh, I should double check what, you know, what are they packaged in? So it turns out they were planning to wrap each individual trigger, again, 10,000 triggers, in not one plastic bag, but two. So basically what, what was likely to happen is we, you know, come late November, we would have 10,000 bottles wrapped in 10,000 plastic bags and 15,000, sorry, 10,000 triggers wrapped in 20,000 plastic bags. So that's 30,000 plastic bags that we wouldn't be able to do anything with. Uh, and we've been able to avoid that. So we're, talk- we're small scale. So when you start to think and extrapolate that and know that this is just standard practice because this question seemed to be a difficult one, from the Chinese factories. This is happening behind the scenes. And as consumers, we don't even know about this. So how you know, how can we be asked to tackle that particular problem? Yeah, and it's a really good point that we, we actually have to start talking to the companies that actually manufacture the products so that that we can make a difference. Like you said, just ask the question because there is there are answers and there are um, solutions as you've just explained. So it's a good, um, I guess it's the next step from Plastic Free July, which is all about us reducing our single-use plastic and 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 converting and making sure that we are aware of the plastic that we use in our lives and and trying to change that. But, you know, maybe the next step then is that um, we have a 
have a campaign that you know people do go straight to the to the manufacturers and say, "Hey, we want this product. We like your product, but we don't like how you're packaging it." When we shop plastic free, you know, we, maybe we go to shop and buy a jumper or a pair of jeans or something, and we take our own carry bag. We buy the pair of jeans. We put them in our carry bag. We don't even consider that the actual shop has taken that pair of jeans out of a plastic bag that came out of a box that would have been lined with plastic. So yeah. I think um, yeah. you're pointing out something that we can all consider. Yeah, I was going to say, like, back when I was at uni and I used to work in retail, I remember sitting out the back in the storeroom and just unpacking thousands, like every single item, a single that anything was wrapped in its own plastic bag. And that would be happening everywhere. Like, it's a huge scale issue. The other thing, though, I mean, we could go right down this rabbit hole, but that that's yeah. um, jobs for Chinese people as well. You know, it's just such a complex yeah. issue, isn't it? It is. So let's keep let's keep the momentum going <laughs> with um, with how you guys are going to help us all make a difference. So you're steamrolling ahead at a rapid rate. So tell us more about the crowdfunding. You're aiming to. Uh, you're aiming for pre-sales so that you can remain employee-owned. So can you explain a bit more about why this is so important to you and a bit more about the crowdfunding campaign? I touched upon it a little earlier, which is around this idea of value creation versus value capture. I've, I've always had this problem with one particular person or you know, the senior executive team earning significantly more than the rest of their employees or owning so much of the company that the employees are effectively just just cogs in a machine that don't that don't get rewarded fairly because actually at the end of the day every single person that works in that company creates value and again if that company makes profit it just means that they're not they're not receiving the, the correct reward for their time this was something that I was very keen to correct and almost kind of trial I know it's something other companies do and and it proves to be quite successful but how can you engage your employees more and and make them feel ownership over the company and reward them fairly so having a company that's fully employee owned is a way to do that so having profit share schemes but what it also means is that we're not going to give up a specific a, a very significant part of our business to an external investor that doesn't share our values and those values we've spent a lot of time thinking long and hard about. In fact, we've decided to uh, take the B Corp framework. So B Corp is a certification body that's effectively setting the standard for purpose-led organisations, meaning they're organisations that put people and planet before profit. They have very high standards around governance, uh, their financial management, employees, community, environment. So what we did is we've leveraged that B Corp framework to build kind of the foundation of our business and that equity between your highest paid staff and lowest paid staff is a really big factor for us. So no employee in our business will earn more than five times the lowest paid employee, so sure pay equity. And then again, we want to distribute value back to employees uh, and not get distracted by external investors uh, who as I said, uh, are not always likely to share our particular values. That's where the crowdfunding comes in, and Sharon can explain more about that. Yeah, so I guess uh, no investors 
also means smaller budgets for us. So um, we had to, yeah, come up with a way to, to get this off the ground and to get this product and concept out there ourselves, um, which is, yeah, where the crowdfunding comes in. So the main focus of this crowdfunding campaign is so we can order the first lot of our new custom glass and silicon bottles. So the minimum order quantity for those means that we're looking to get around $55,000 for that. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of like the minimum target of what we would really like to achieve. So we've been working, yeah, as you guys said at the start, since early June to kind of build up some momentum. So that comes August 19 when we launched that crowdfunding. We already have a bit of brand love. People have tested it. We also know that the product works well and we can kind of just launch, well, hopefully, <laughs> with a bit of a bang. So we're really excited about it. And that campaign will go for six weeks. And throughout that time, you know, we'll, we'll keep, um, spreading the messages, we'll keep, you know, doing a bit of promotion and continuing to get feedback on the products that we've sent out, those 100 testers. But yeah, that, that that's kind of the um, mission behind the crowdfunding and we're very excited about it and nervous. So just for some clarification for the listeners, if you are listening to this in August 2020 or early September, the crowdfunding will be active. You can look for Pleasant yeah. State and support them. And um, remember that they're helping. We haven't sort of clarified exactly how you guys are helping to reduce single-use plastics, but they're wanting to take all you know, over time we replace all those plastic cleaning bottles that contain, that we just use and then go and buy the whole bottle and the cleaning solution all over again. Get them out of our house and out of our lives. And with the Just Add Water cleaning products and a reusable bottle, cleaning bottle, and away we go. Yeah, so we've essentially created a concentrated bar. It's a They're the first to be made in Australia. And what you do is you drop those in a 500ml bottle, fill it with water, it will dissolve. um, And then, yeah, you can use your multi-purpose spray. And then we uh, also have the bathroom and glass and window. And then we also have, you know, we we have created these super long-lasting glass and silicon bottles that we will be launching. But there's also the option to use your your own bottle as well. So you can use a 500ml bottle with the concentrated bars too. So, yeah, there's definitely that option too. And, yeah, so from August 19th to six weeks, you just head to pleasantstate.com or head, um, there'll be links there to our Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. So definitely check that out. And the crowdfunding, as we said, is pre-ordering. So we'll have, we have a lot of really exciting rewards that people can buy, anything from the multi-purpose starter kit, which is a bottle and a couple of refill bars, through to some office uh, options as well for the reward. So any businesses that want to get on board and change things in their office will have options available to them as well. Awesome. So I guess that's our final question was going to be, how can we join your force field? How can we line ourselves up to be the first in line to get these just add water cleaning products? But I think you've just told us. Yeah, the the question we want to hear. So essentially, go to pleasantstate.com. Um, or in, uh, if you're on social media, our Facebook and Instagram page is just in at Pleasant State. We're pretty active on there. We're always talking and sharing and announcing new things. So just, um, yeah, head there, check us out, and there'll be plenty of information and links to take you to the crowdfunding page. And we'll put all those social media handles and, and uh, links in the show notes. So um, for those yes. listeners, yes. can check the show notes on storednaturally.com and find where to go to find all of the information. Yes, perfect, amazing. 
we've still got a little bit of time in a way and there's a few little sort of things that are behind the scenes a little bit like uh, that we haven't talked about. On your social medias, you talked about how you were looking to source the lemon myrtle from Indigenous communities and that there aren't any any of our native botanicals owned by Indigenous mm-hmm. companies. Do we, would you like to share some of the seemingly small but big parts that are running behind the scenes that we might not otherwise know about? I'd love to. When I first started making calls back in December to my network, they all said, keep it simple. So import import the tablets or the bars. Don't go and make your own bottles. You know, keep it simple and get to market quickly. Uh, I listened to the get to market quickly. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> I decided to do that, but uh, not listen to them on the don't make your own bars and don't make your own bottles, but still achieve very ambitious timeframes. And I think sometimes Sean. Um, maybe questions her decision in joining the Pleasant State journey. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why I set such crazy goals myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to your question, basically you're right. No decision that we make is a very easy one. And the reason being is because we are using an ethical decision-making framework. And as I said, we've decided to use the B Corp or B Corporation model. Yeah, so any decision that we make is not a particularly easy one. When when making a decision that's just purely to reduce cost, that's very simple. You can go to market and say, okay, tender with three people, I just want the lowest cost, and you pick that one. Super simple. If we'd have taken that approach, definitely could be in market much quicker. Instead, our framework requires us to look at a range of factors when making any decision. So... If we come back to the lemon myrtle example, that's one input into our bars where we had to look at that and say, okay, well, yes, economics is one factor, but what about the social factor as well? So is there a way that we can engage a diverse supplier network uh, and be more inclusive? So inclusive could be people of colour or even disability service providers. So that, that's definitely something we're exploring with our third-party logistics provider. So when it came to the native uh, lemon myrtle, which is native to the southeast Queensland region, we were definitely keen to explore were there any Indigenous farmers that were actually farming this particular extract. So we were put in touch with some people. Unfortunately, uh, from what we've heard and if there's any listener who has information to the contrary would love to hear from them but we heard that unfortunately when it comes to extracts there's no indigenous led farmers uh, providing that so then the next best option is we start to look at well what about local small businesses so in lieu of an indigenous business we're looking at uh, a minsa based company to provide that and it's a higher quality grade the cosmetic grade uh, which it, which is better for our uh, consumers or customers. Uh, so again, if we look at economics, uh, no, that wasn't a good choice either, but it's the right choice for our customers and our environment and our local community. And it smells amazing. It smells amazing, yes. People think it smells like lemonade or lemon lollies. I would like to tell people they cannot swallow the bar <laughs> if you not a lolly. No, no. <laughs> But it does. The lemon myrtle is an amazing botanical, so yeah, it's it's lovely. 
It's very popular. Like we will probably never claim that our products are antibacterial because you actually have to put a lot of ingredients that we we personally don't deem as no nasty. However, lemon myrtle uh, has has been known to have natural antibacterial products. But again, we, we can't claim that our product per se is antibacterial. Excellent. What an amazing story. It's, um, yeah, it's very exciting. So with the crowdfunding, when can people expect to actually get the product with all the rewards that you were talking about earlier in the crowdfunding campaign? When do you think that would be able to be delivered to customers who invest in what you're doing? December this year is when we're planning to ship. So we've got a really detailed project timeline and a lot of different partners and supplier networks helping to support us with that. So we feel that December is very realistic, even in this environment. So, yeah, basically we've gone from product ID to being in the market within 12 months, which, uh, again, um, based on what other people tell me who have experience in this space, is very quick. We understand it can take other companies between sort of two to three years to achieve this, but I also want to assure people we have most definitely not not cut corners. We have just been extremely focused and worked very hard to get a solution that we think is really, really important for customers to have in their household. And been extremely busy. <laughs> we sure have. <laughs> So I think um, for the listeners, you know when you've fallen in love, you will know that this product is fabulous for you and you won't want to change. So go uh, via our storednaturally.com website to find all the links to Pleasant State. Or you can go straight to pleasantstate.com as well to to find some links to the crowdfunding and, and everything there as well and the social media, which we'll put, as we said, in the show notes, all the, the social media handles. So thanks, Amy and Sean. It's been a real pleasure and lots of laughs talking with you both. Thank you. That was great. No, it's it's an exciting journey and we wish you all the best for the crowdfunding campaign and for all the shipping and distribution in in only a a very short time. So good luck with all of that. You um, may come up for air around Christmas time perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) We we hope so. That is a strong ambition of ours. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer, a longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge, available at storednaturally.com.